1: good morning all right now you got the, the co-host invite too should be all good
2: cool there we go uh maybe we should play some music while we let wait wait for people to file in
1: yeah well, will we get copyrighted if I if I get like some smooth jazz on you know
2: well I was gonna say to and Gmac that he could uh exclude this part and <laughs> then so we don't get um we don't get shadow banned. Although, then again, this app is like, is like the Wild West now, so who cares? Uh, let's see here. What do I got? No, I'm not going to do that. What do I got? Eh. What do I got here? I listened to some tunes last night. and uh, eh. What do I got? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that actually I'll play alright I don't know if you guys can hear that we can alright we'll give like two more minutes and then we can start at 11.05 and yes GMAC you can cut all this we're not trying to get uh, universal music group up our ass actually what I also do is I'll turn it down a little bit and I'll tell a story while we wait so I don't know if you all remembered, but I had a uh, week one of the NFL season we discovered we had a mouse in our house like, literally I was getting ready to go to the bar week one And my wife is like, come look at this. And there is a a loaf of bread. And it's clearly something had chewed through the plastic and ate it. So I was like, all right. So I was like, I'm I'm not a mouse person. Like, I do not. mm -mm, No, no, nope. So I went and I went to Home Depot and I bought traps. I bought glue traps, snap traps, all types of stuff. Could not catch this mouse for like three weeks. My wife, and this is why you should always listen to your wife, she goes and she buys those ultrasound thing that you can plug into the wall and it creates like this ultrasound and apparently like mice don't like it. Mouse disappears from our house. We see no sign of the mouse. We're like, okay, maybe he left. No. The motherfucker moved into my garage. And set up shop in my garage. He's mobile. Yes. And what happened was Like, literally, I opened the garage one day. I just saw something, like, dart into a corner. I was like, this dude is in the garage. And I was getting my basement renovated. So, all the stuff was in the garage. So, like, I had all this clutter. So, I put all these traps down all over the garage. Like, and I put, like, peanut butter on them. He doesn't run on them. Doesn't run on them at all. And I'm like, this can't be. Like, one day, and then, one day, like, I opened the garage door. And I actually saw the mouse because there's like this little corner where there's like this little column corner and there's like a hole down there and I actually saw the mouse run because I put the mouse trap like right in front of it right I actually saw the mouse run around the trap climb up the wall and climb around it I was like oh I got a smart motherfucker here okay so weeks ago weeks earlier I went on YouTube for tips on how to catch mice. And I saw this dude had this video where he said, all he did was he had a big bucket and a two by four, and he put the two by four on the bucket. And then the bottom, and then and near the top of the bucket, he put peanut butter like near the lid, and not the top. And at the bottom, he put sunflower seeds and he put it in his barn and the, and then he set up a camera. And what happens is the mouse runs up the two by four to the edge of the bucket, smells of like peanut butter. And like, Hmm trying to get the peanut butter. They fall in, but they can't climb out. So he sells this contraption. It's like $20. You put this thing. So you put this. You put this. He's created a special lid. You put the lid on top of a bucket. And then and there's a little ramp. And the bucket the lid has a little trap doors. So literally. So what happens is I put it in the garage on Friday. And by Saturday, boom, the, the dude ran up the thing tried to get in there the dude ran up the he ran up the ramp and there's little some peanut butter I put in the corner of the of the of the lid and he runs in the trap door fell in and that's how i caught him so to anyone if you have mouse problems i recommend this they're not paying me but like if you look on youtube it's like the youtube like mouse trap bucket that is the way to catch a mouse don't no more snap don't use no traps or anything that's the way. All right, I think we're good now. Um, so basically, a mouse drove you insane over the course. Yes, of the last and Sunday. I had for it's, yes. Now, is the yes. summer from literally from week, and then literally it was last. It was this Sunday we caught him. So literally for ten weeks, nine weeks, I was trying to catch this thing. All right, that's enough about that. We got a good, we got a good crew in here, including my son, who's who promises to be quiet. All right, GMAC, you can start now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to KFS Study Hall. My name is Sean the W. Thank you for joining me. And I'm joined by my co-host, who I I appreciate the fact that he can wake up at 10.57 a.m. to be on time for this every Saturday, because he is a college student, and he should be sleeping. That's Chris Perciani. As,
3: as long as you
2: know
1: that I'm waking up just pure minutes before the show starts, then
2: bro i don't need you to wake up at 10 like listen i've been up since like eight <laughs> i've been up since eight forty-five, and that's late for me um so yes that's fine all right let's get into it um we're gonna try and see if we can wrap this up and about and by uh the top of the hour uh quick shout out to everyone in here including my man dutch i see you uh jeremy e who was here who heard my entire story about the mouse Our clark um we stan account um welcome 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 uh so hold and oh and my son is bringing me my breakfast he is a sweetheart thank you very much wow yes uh so wow yes um i'm gonna tweet this really quick all right so let's let's start with um let's quickly review this past week um last night we played the pistons and won which was somewhat underwhelming we all know what happened on Wednesday in front of a national TV audience. The Knicks decided to embarrass us again because that's what they want to do. And on Monday, we kicked the dog. You know what? Actually, there's actually because we did it lot on Friday. There have been one, two, three, four, five. There have been five games since we last got together. Uh, so let me recap those really quickly. Uh, the Sixers beat the Sixers. We beat the Sixers 106 in, in, 104 in the uh, Tom Thibodeau kitchen sink game, as I, as I want to call it. Uh, we lost at home to the Celtics 133 118. When the Celtics decided to hit a record 27 3. Sam House just hit another one. Um, the We beat the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota 120 107. Uh, we know what happened on Wednesday. We're not going to talk about it. Wednesday in Brooklyn, and then last night we beat the Pistons one twelve 121, 112. Chris Persiani, your thoughts on the last five games? Oh, I mean, listen,
1: I want to start with your kitchen sink game. Um, that was encouraging. It for multiple reasons. One, the fact that Thibodeau felt propelled to try these things out. You know, I don't know if this was like a nerd catharsis for him where he was like, you know what? These losers keep telling me to play Obi and Randall. Screw it. I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to do it. And um, he, he actually gave it a shot and it worked. So, all right. Um, but basically, you know, like I, I liked what – He did there, and I wanted it to stick. You know, I wanted some of those ideal... I just wanted at least, like, one of his ideas from that insane game to stick. It just hasn't. You know it's not going to once Mitch is back. Um, You know, we always talk about not being willing to try a different process despite getting the same result. And I think we're legitimately about to see someone finally he finally tried a different process got a better result and is still going to revert back to his original process because that's what he determined over the offseason was best for the team when watching the film so you know when that is the approach this is why i started with this game the other games get easy to talk about right because if you know it's going to be the same thing every game literally Um, then the only thing that's going to change is how the players play. And NBA is a high-variance sport. So it sounds like this year we're going to win some and lose some. Like, I I just can't – I cannot be so sold on this train ride that Thibodeau's, like, system is because you know exactly where it's heading and how fast it's heading and what direction it's going to go in to get there. And then the train never actually gets to the destination. And everyone's like, well, it would be cool if there was something we could do better. Like instead of putting the train right through the pit of lava that incinerated half of it, building a track around that, you know, like you think maybe you look back and make some adjustments and the conductor's like, all right, guys, we're going to go set up the track the exact same way and just hope it works this time. And you know what? Sometimes it's winter and the lava's frozen and you make it safe somehow. And, you know, you get in your safe journeys here and there. But when the process is that flawed and, that, and unwilling to be changed, there's not much to say about these other games to me personally because the Knicks were the Knicks and a basketball game happened. You know, Vegas set their line yesterday against Detroit at nine and a half. They won by nine okay so this team even when winning is performing just to expectation if not slightly below there's something about the build of the team that causes this that gives us our floor and our ceiling and makes them what they are and there are several things about the build of the team how the team's coached all that and those factors all go in, you know, to represent our total, you know, game planning, whatever. But like I said, when it's going to be the same, uh, there's not a lot to talk about. I thought it was really cool they beat Philly. I thought it wasn't cool that they seemed to have learned nothing from that win. Um, you know, the the loss to Brooklyn. I understand Brooklyn just got a new coach. They're playing hard for him and whatever. It's no excuse to come out, especially on national TV. I hate when this team does this comes out on national TV after a stretch of several decent games and just looks completely awful. Um, And then the thing is it keeps happening, you know? So at a certain point I have to be like, ah, this is who we are as a team. And that is my wrap of my little, not rant, but just like, there's not much for me to talk about this team with on a game by game basis except for stuff like Obi's really good. Like, I know I think he's good, but he's really, really good. And then people are like, well, well, he can't be that good because Tibbs is a credentialed NBA coach. And if he was really good, I think Tibbs would play him more. (laughs) (laughs) So so he's actually probably just okay. And I'm like, all right, this is why we're where we are. This is why it's never going to change. Um, because you have people who are smarter than myself going out of their way to completely abandon any concept of independent thought and just latch on to whatever the coach has decided and just make that their gospel. Um, so, you know, there's, that's the only thing for me to talk about is uh, Quickly's been... Weird and yet still productive. So for everyone saying that, you know, oh, he's been off, whatever. Yeah, he's still one of the best players on the team by the numbers, even though he's off offensively, because he's that good defensively. I thought I thought we were a fan base that prided ourselves on defense. I thought we were a fan base that cared most about guys playing tough. Guys wanting to stop the ball and get a steal. And I, I thought that's what we really cared about. New Yorkers come out with a, are we like the, the, you know, the lunch pail team. So why does the entire fan base hate the one kid that shows up every day and tries to actually clamp up the opposing team? And I uh, have thoughts uh, on
2: that, but I'll let you finish. I, I, I,
1: you know, just for a reference, that game I was at against Atlanta um, th- there was one New York player who very clearly had the best defensive performance on Trey Young, and it was Quickly, who more than held him down when matched onto him. So, and I know Young got hurt that game, so we didn't get the biggest sample size. Um, but just physically, like, eye test, like, Quickly had him on lockdown because he's, six, he's 6'3 with a 6'9 wingspan. He has the determination to defend. He has the mindset to do it, which we know a lot of guys just straight up don't. Um and he's good at it, you know, so that that'll be that'll be my thing is is uh Obi and quickly look really good, but you know, sometimes you're not allowed to talk about it because Julius and whoever the hell else may look also not bad. So
2: you know Don't want you mad, son. <laughs> it's uh
1: It's a lot. It's a lot because now you have Ian Megley for like the second, third straight year coming out and saying that there are teams calling the Knicks about Emmanuel quickly. And it's like, if you asked me today out of Barrett, Grimes, Toppin, Quickly, Sims, this whole group of young guys, if there's one, and I'm not counting Deuce or Rokas in this group, but the rest of the young guys. If you ask me today to bet on one that's not here next year, I'd probably bet on quick. And the reason for that is this front office and clearly the coach, but apparently the front office too is a majority. Not the part of the front office that you know, literally slammed the table for him. Um, but it seems that the majority of the front office doesn't view him in a way that he views himself. And they see him more how Tibbs sees him. Um, And it's just, you know, maybe because of Tibbs that that's the case. Um, Maybe it's because Tibbs hasn't given him ample opportunity that they haven't had a chance to build an opinion in the other direction. Uh, I think when you're not a contending team, you owe it to your young players to see what you have in them. And the Knicks have yet to see what they have in quickly because they keep like half featuring him off the bench so it's tough you know but when he you know when he played at the end of last season in a consistent role uh for several games in a row where he was able to just settle in he looked really good so this season having some struggles again with the shot falling in in different ways and i would say that's primarily again because he's working on finding that balance between scoring and playmaking and He's letting it affect his shot, so that's not a good thing. But it's it's a fixable one, and it's it's low hanging fruit, you know. So, um, to see him continue to improve will be a guarantee because of the work ethic he has. And, and you know, I talk a lot about how rare it is to have guys that don't see this as a nine to five. Um, you know, like I was very recently a kid. The audience, maybe not as much, but we kind of are taught as kids that, like, these guys are superheroes and they do it for the love of the game and, you know, it's all about competing. Um, And then you grow up and you find out that that's not exactly the case. And the Knicks have a couple young players on their team. I'm pretty sure everyone always says, oh, Leon Rose's front office doesn't have a type. They draft all kinds of of prospects, whatever. For me, their type is guys who actually want to – play basketball like as a career and i know that that's odd but like our young core is just chock full of guys that want to work more than everyone else on the team and i think getting a bunch of those guys in a room together is really good for breeding competition and stuff so um you know i'll kind of tie this all in here by saying i like what's going on with our young players and they're developing and just they're still not getting trusted with that development. We saw four games into the season – seven games into the season, sorry. Seven games into the season, Emmanuel quickly got a demotion from first guard off the bench. And it was Derrick Rose now instead. Now, I like Derrick Rose. Got to preface it with that. But Has he done anything on a basketball court this season that would tell you that a head coach out there would go with him to play more minutes than quickly? Would any other head coach besides Tom Thibodeau make that decision? Because to me, one player is clearly better than the other, and it's 2022. Um, But I'm not even trying to paint quickly as some sort of, like, elite player. I just think Rose is also very
2: on the decline. So I would say um, the other day, and this is why, the other day I was listening to, I I was in a, NBA space and this fan base there was a fan base There's a fan from a particular fan base that was complaining that the head coach trusted their veterans they're playing the Vets too many minutes and they need to give more time to young guys and the coach he was talking about was Eric Spolster and who is you know a made man so I say that to say And I cannot believe I'm defending Tom Thibodeau here because I think he has committed basketball war crimes in his time here. Um, Tom Thibodeau's not the... A lot of of coaches play vets over young guys. Like, I have a bunch of Sixers fans who do not understand why Doc Rivers does not play Paul Reed more. Like, Doc Rivers hates Paul Reed. It happens. Um, Yeah,
1: I I get it. I just think you look at... Miami and Philadelphia what are those two teams trying to do this year I'm trying to hold up Larry B, right so those coaches are naturally going to you know have a preference towards veterans that can get the job done uh meanwhile
2: this is like but do you know what those do you know do you know what those teams also have in common they don't have as good young players they're both five and seven. <laughs> yeah. That so it's like, well, bro, this ain't working. Try something different. And exactly. like, they're literally 11th and twelve. So what I'm saying is they, listen, that goes to your point. But at the same time, like there are teams I totally, with I totally, championship aspirations that have, that are 11th and 12th in a conference and are sticking with their vets. I think I think the team like the
1: example to go with, and then this I don't know for me personally it's like the guys that actually have a name for not playing young guys are Clifford, um, Thibodeau, uh, I want to say Lou a little bit, um, a, a, a hair, um, but but you know it's a it's it's not a it, in the with the guys that have the label it's not a positive one um, it's meant because. Not because they just simply play vets over young players. It's not vague like that. And that's why I I appreciate the Spolstra-Philly, you know, like the um, response. But, like, for me, I'm not trying to, like, poo-poo it, but, like, I'm going to poo-poo it um, for the sake of time. For me, personally, that's BS because it's, like, these teams, like the Knicks, have no pressure. They have no contending window right now. And they have better young players than both of these teams, and the veterans that they're playing over the kids are worse than the veterans that these other teams have. So uh, I, I know that like not every veteran over rookie story is cut the same, but like I want to say that Alec Burks, Alfred Payton, and Kemba Walker all over Emmanuel quickly is not cut from the same cloth. Agreed. I'm going to give Danny Green minutes over Isaiah Joe. You know, I just think it's way different when you've seen how strong and nonsensical it can be. Like, just because someone's playing a vet over a young player doesn't mean it's a crime. I just think the reason I pointed out before is because he does it to an extent that to me, just me personally, and again, I'm not a professional coach, but me personally – not only does it make sense for the Knicks' chance of winning, I thought they would have a better chance of winning if they played quickly over Kemba, over Alfred, over point guard Alec Burks, over, you know, like I also just thought that it was good for the development of that player. I, right. I don't think that it equates to tanking, and that's that on
2: that. So I'll say, here's what I'll say. Um, so regards to quickly, and I like Emmanuel quickly um, a lot, uh... There was a pushback on the on the bird app. If you tried to say that Emmanuel quickly wasn't doing very well, like like uh, first of all, every player on this damn team has a hive, everyone, which is and and, and the hives are becoming untenable, right? And you would push back on certain players and say like certain players to do better, and it's like no, you're a hater, third. And then you know I looked it up, and like Emmanuel Quickly was looking at true shooting percentage, effective field percentage, the worst shooter in the rotation. He was the worst. And while his defense is is good, and you know, so you said, six through six eight wingspan, Emmanuel Quickly has to hit shots. Like he has to hit shots. And if he's not hitting shots, he can't just be a because he's not even a three and D guy. He's just a defense. Like he has to hit shots. I'm not worried. I think the shot will come around, like Fred Katz said, um, and yesterday's podcast, KFS Pod with GMAC. Like, um, confidence is not is not is not result based. So I know who will put them up. I love seeing that three go in um, at the end of the game to ice the game, which crazy. I'm saying we needed that three to ice the game against the freaking Pistons, but whatever. Yeah, that's, um, that's why I noted
1: earlier. I was like, the spread was nine and a half. We yes, won by nine. They that won by, by nine. By no means any sort of oh, really quick again. Not trying to. Um, you know, go super hard for just for one player here, but while
2: you not I mean you already to, did, but I yeah, while, I get it.
1: It's about what it represents, though. It's about I'm not trying to just say this one player. I'm saying I'm using him as an example for what it represents as a yes, as a whole. You know, what league wide or whatever. But again, a reason why shooting can't be everything. Um, if you look at the Knicks net ratings this season, I can spot one, two. I see two that are higher than quicks. It's Cam Reddish and Isaiah Hartenstein. No one else has a higher net rating on the team.
2: Oh Oh, absolutely. Oh, Derek Rose. Derek
1: Rose. (coughs) Derek Rose tied with Quick. Never mind. So Quick's tied for what? Third, fourth? Like, even with the shot not falling, he's still productive. And that shows what Tom Thibodeau can help guys be, which is someone that who if you are raised in the Tom Thibodeau system. Even when your shots not falling, he can help you become a defensive stalwart, and I think that's literal credit to Tibbs's development. And I think I think Obi, looking how he is now, however, like even if it was in the most backwards way possible, is a complete credit to Tibbs' development. Absolutely, My issue has never been with his ability to develop players? I've always said he's actually good at that. It's just about empowering them
2: once developed and and, I, and, and not worrying about them and not worrying about what they can't do as much as worry about what they can't do. Like, yeah. I mean, right. yeah. It, it was, it was almost like uh beautiful
1: when, when we heard what he like, All right, let, me finish my,
2: think... let me finish go, my, go, go, let me finish go, go, my, go, my go.
1: section. Damn it. It's
2: 1128. Shit. 20... <laughs> All right. Look. Um, so that's quickly as for the games. So the funny thing is uh, Ray Marcano shout out to him. He had a tweet up there. And he said, um, um, he said he doesn't see the Knicks as uneven, the more mediocre being teams they should lose into decent and good teams with the occasional upset. So he's right. He's so both of us are right. From a macro level, the Knicks are me, they're mediocre. They're mid. They're the epitome mid. They're six and six. As I've been saying for the last couple weeks on this app, embrace the mid. The Knicks are who we thought they were. The reason why I say it's uneven is because the performances on a micro level are even. So, for example, the five games we played, uh, Philly, that first half was awful. The second half was great. Atlanta, one and a half good quarters, and then they completely shat themselves. Cleveland, they uh, played well. They played, they were playing well. And then the fourth quarter, they just like went down the drain, and decided, to go to, decided to go to sleep. Milwaukee, they're hanging around, and they just let them go on an 18 0 run. Charlotte, we remember the Charlotte game. So, from a micro level, it's like it's a roller coaster it's up, and and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down, right? Um, last night against Detroit, who it looks like we play them every freaking week. Uh, uh, the fact that the game was just like that's another game that I would have said if Jalen, we don't have Jalen Brooks, we lose. Uh, the fact that that game was even close because to Andrew Claudio's credit, they are bottom five in the league in, like, 700 to Cisco categories. And they was, and They sh- the fact that that game was that close for a team that shot 5 of 27 from three is alarming. But we have to get used to this. Like, we have to. We have to get used to this. We, excuse me. They shot 7 of 31 from three last night. Um we have to get used to it. It's like this team is going to be mid, and mid is not. Mid isn't always consistent. It's up and down, and up and down, and up and down. Um, the Brooklyn game, like I said, is a freaking embarrassment. Uh, just don't embarrass me. Like I don't need you to. Like that's. I said it on its timeline. That is their bowl game. That is the game they they want to win that game more than we want to win our game. They want to beat us more than we want to beat them. And they came out. Kevin came out ready to play and we did not come ready to play. We didn't, well, we got, I guess we got national TV, uh, national TV Julius, because he wanted to go, he thought he was going to model, model of Kevin Durant, um, which might've been a complete mind trick, but uh, like, it's just it's like, just get ready for, un- is it, this is going to be an uneven season. There's going to be ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. It's not going to be like, the we here season where they played hard, damn near every night, gave effort. And when they lost, it was like, all right, they lost, but they played hard. They just lost a better team or some bounces didn't go their way or there's some shitty ref calls. This is literally like, wow, you decided to go to sleep for 10 minutes. You decided to not have energy. You decided to not guard threes. You decided to go back to reverse last year. Um, so just prepare for that. That's all right. That's that. That is the recap for this past week. We are way over schedule. Kevin Danishevsky, I see you. We're gonna get into our question of the day, and then we will open up the floor. Um, so I posted the poll on. I posted a poll yesterday under the Canvas account. It's on the jumbotron. If you have time to vote, you can still vote. Right now, what is the Knicks' biggest problem? One player, the entire roster, the head coach, the front office—is something I missed for me. Right now, the biggest problem is Julius Randle. And what I mean by that is, let me be clear. Julius Randle's not a bad basketball player. I don't hate Julius Randle. I don't like I recognize what he's done for us at the as the like twenty twenty one will always be was, was was you know, the almighty fourth seed as 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 it is referred to by some, some people. Um But the reason why I say he's the biggest problem, and listen, we have more than one problem. Yeah, I'm not going to say he's the only problem, but the reason why I say he's the biggest problem because if he were not on the team, if he were simply no longer on the team, it would actually empower and allow certain changes to be made that could help in the development and improvement of the of the organization as a whole what do I mean by that you know looking back on Ju- looking back on Julius's um career I would say his best two years are clearly the his all NBA second team year and his year in New Orleans and those team and those years were completely different. And those years were different because in New Orleans, he was a six man, small ball five, um, not rim running, uh, pick and roll, roll to basket guy, playing next to uh, Anthony Davis, some lines, but it was really good shot, very, shot really efficiently. And then obviously, twenty twenty one, he had he turned into Larry Bird, as I want to say, because he became the second player in NBA history to average 24, 10 and five on forty one percent shooting from three. The role that best suits Julius Randle as a basketball player is closer to what we saw in New Orleans than what we saw is his, his all NBA season. That guy from the all NBA season is not coming back. That season is the outlier. That season is the aberration. And that's fine. It happens. Julius Randle is never going to accept a role like he did in New Orleans on this team. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. If I was a King of New York for a year, I wouldn't go back to it. But because of that, because of that season, he, he now has carte blanche to I mean he has the most I think he has the most uses on the team. Um, he is in in the league. He is 40th in usage. Uh, the only guys ahead of him are like Harden, Jokic, Westbrook, um, DeRozan, Ingram, Pascal, um, like guys who like make sense. If and and I know there's this idea that like we should just bench him, but we're not because of optics. Um, that's not happening, nor would most other teams bench him. And please don't tell me what why he did with uh, with, with Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson is not on the level of Julius Randle. Um, the second one, you're not going to bench your best player, two. The minute you bench Julius Randle, he becomes the worst contract in the league, hands down. So you can't say you want Julius Randle traded and then say, we're going to bench him and then ask for a first-round pick or what have you. But listen, when I look at the other factors of the organization, and listen, they all have their warts. The head coach has their warts. Other players on the roster have their warts. The front office has their warts. The team president has his warts. If Jules are no longer on the team, it would, one, give Obi Toppin the eighth pick in the 2020 draft who has played, shout out to Nick Take Jake, who has played the least amount of minutes of rotation players from his draft class the time to actually not only get more, but it forces the head coach to design plays, to design things for him. Because one thing I will say about the head coach, the head coach, and this is why he's frustrated. If you say he is a problem, I wouldn't blame you. Because if you were, the head coach has shown his career that, if forced to, he can draw up some. He can draw a, a strategy to put players in the best position to succeed. He made Joe Kim Noah an MVP candidate the year Derrick Rose is out. And if you don't believe me, go look it up. He can do it. The problem is he's a 64 year old man and he's set in his ways. But if you remove, like if you remove him, if you would remove Julius, he's not going to try to play Obi Toppin the same way he plays Julius Randle. He will say Obi maybe I'll actually want a, a freaking pick and roll for you once in a while. Um, and then it also allows the other players on the team to, like when you remove someone with a 26 usage, that usage has to go to other places. As I said, I said it on the, I said it on my appearance on the KFS podcast. I've said it on the pregame show. Most NBA franchises, when they have a third pick and the eighth pick in consecutive years, they say, We're going to build around these guys or we're going to see what these – we're going to build around these two guys or we're going to see what these two guys have. The New York Knicks, under two different regimes, two different regimes said, we're going to take – each of them had one of those lottery picks and said, we are going to take that guy – we're going to try and fit you into what we are trying to do, which to me is ass backwards. Um, So how would we force the hand if you remove Julius – and listen, I'm a father – He's a father. I it has become harder for me to advocate just shipping people to any place in any other place in the league. You know, like he has a family, he has children. You know, we all see Kaiden, like i mean, like now Kaiden has to move to Sacramento or Utah or Phoenix or Dallas or whatever. Like, nah, that's up that's, you know, that's 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 disruptive, right? Like I've moved twice in the last four years and it was only like a hundred miles away, and it's disruptive. But to me there would be, there is a world where things not that would become a 54 win team if that happens, but it actually puts the 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 franchise could actually move forward if he were no longer on the team.
3: Hey, guys, quick break to tell you about Winbet, the official sports book of Nick's Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple.
2: I will now ask Chris who he thinks his his what he thinks his the next biggest problem and then we'll open up to the audience. For sure.
1: Um listen, I, I want to go right to one of your points that you brought up. Um in how if Randall was out, then Toppin would actually be able to have opportunity. Um which is a very fair statement, right? <laughs> like makes a lot of sense to everyone. Why is that the case? Why are we so, as a, as a group here discussing this, why are we so taking it for granted that the two can't play together and that it has to be one or the other? Why is it so imprinted in our brains that two athletic NBA forwards who can both kind of shoot, a space the floor a little bit, one way more of an off-ball guy, the other way more of an on-ball guy, uh, they kind of sound like they could play together, don't they? Even if just for five, four minutes a game, four minutes, four out of 48, that's a 12th, right? A 12th of the game, throw out Brunson, quickly, Reddish, Toppin, Randall, right? So these these things, to me, go back to the front office if you want, like, everything obviously leads back to the front office, right? But if you want to talk about, including them, including their own like existence, what The biggest issue is right now, to me, like any other coach is going to come in and try to get Obi and Randall to work and try different lineup combinations out, even if just as a reason to see who they have on their team, try different things out. And I think they might accidentally stumble upon better lineup combinations than the one that the Knicks started their season with. So for me personally, talking about you know not trying to fit people into roles, but finding roles for them based on what they can do, that's the job of an NBA coach. Um, but we had to hear that Obi Toppin was not an NBA player for two seasons because he couldn't dress up as Nick Patum and just shoot in the corner the whole game. You know, So when there's a clear, clear lack of interest, and not even just optimizing, but deploying to any extent your talent just because of their age and you're supposed to be a young team that's rebuilding those two don't go together to me i think it's possible to be a fun and good team that plays the young players
0: Agreed. i don't believe.
1: i don't believe in what i see as a false equivalency of playing the young players as tanking a lot of people are like, oh, well, what would you do if we fired Tibbs? Just play all the young guys and tank? It's like my brother in Christ. Uh, playing the young kids would have been objectively better for the team last season. Like we know that because we saw them do it and it was objectively better
2: because the players were better than the vets getting played. Uh, yes, after the Brooklyn game. After after the Brooklyn, they should have done it.
1: So, so for me, it's like, okay, well – I'm not even trying to sit here and say it's a guarantee that the team could be better um, if they tried these different lineups or whatever, but it would be nice to know,
2: wouldn't it? And it's Yes. That's a, yes, absolutely.
1: When you're not a contending team, you don't have the pressure to win now. You have pressure to get some wins on the board, but you can do that by playing talented players. And And I just think that right now, the team's biggest issue on a night-to-night basis is the fact that opposing teams know their exact game plan, their exact rotation pattern, and exactly how to plan for this Nick team. I think the biggest issue with this Nick team today is not Julius Randle convincing himself that he's in a one-on-one battle with Kevin Durant, despite the fact that his team was down 30. To me, it's Julius Randle's head coach matching every second of Kevin Durant's time on the court with Julius Randle's time on the court. That is a direct enabling. Can, can I ask, you know, like, just to the audience right now, would any of you evaluate Julius Randle and Kevin Durant on the same level offensively or close to it? Because I'm pretty sure the answer is no, right? So how, as a group of Twitter users, did we just make a better talent evaluation than an NBA head coach? I'm not trying to say we could all sit here as a group and do the job. It's a really hard job. But me personally, I know there's dozens of people out there hungry for an opportunity to coach a team that will try to optimize this roster's talent. And, you know, I always say this, the little kid analogy, you know, it's like we've got the wooden box and all the colored shapes, and we are – like the New York Knicks would rather teach a baby how to use, like, hardcore building gear and tools – to carve out a hole in the wooden box with a chainsaw that would fit the wooden block as opposed to just flipping it over and finding the hole shaped like the freaking star. Like they would rather get a little, you know, like a, like a laser to carve out the right shape than they would just look at something from a different angle. So if we're so stuck at this specific angle, this specific viewpoint, and we know what it looks like from here, we know what the view is from here, and there's a giant freaking parking lot covering the view of the beach. Like, there's nothing good in sight, right? I think maybe someone who is willing to view this team from a different perspective than just one um, could be a real benefit on a day-to-day basis, a day-to-day basis for this Knicks team. Now, if you want to, you know, talk... Long term, I might have a different answer. Whatever day to day, right now, my biggest issue,
2: the head coach. And honestly, and we'll get to the um, we'll get to the people who requested. Like, I wouldn't be angry at that. I just think that if there is, if you remove, I think if you remove the head coach and replace with another one, you are more likely to see more of the same than if you removed the player. And just it just removed him, and then forced the head coach to. But this player would never have
1: existed. This version of Julius Randall would never have existed if he wasn't empowered by the head
2: coach. That's that's a and fair point.
1: First, he was empowered to become this version of himself. Then he became the version of himself, and he did well at it. And for the next two years, he has been an ostensible embarrassment in this role. And do you know what his head coach did the other day? He said, you're mic'd up and you're matching minutes with Kevin Durant. Go out there and duel, kiddo. You're, yes. in, you're, in, a, you're in a good old superstar Texas duel.
2: Yeah, and, that, and that's a big, and that's a bigger, and that's a bigger, that's a, that is a issue, that is an issue, and that's ah, to. Ah, you almost no, said it, you no, almost said it, Nah, 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 <laughs> nah. All right, let's, let's get to the, let's get to the, the speakers, because it's, it's 11.47, and we, we were supposed to finish at 11.30, um. <laughs> so, if you want to request, come up and speak. If you agree with me, if you disagree with me, you think we're full of shit, if you think we're amazing, let us know. First, we have coming to the stage, uh, Kevin Daniszewski, who is connecting. He's still connecting. He's on stage. Yeah, okay. he's, he's on stage, but he, he's connecting. And there we go. Kevin, can you hear us? Yes, I can. All What's right, up, the floor you is course. yours, buddy.
4: So, I had a dream last night that... Julius Randle and Amari Stodemeyer were the same person, and that I had forgotten and was remiss um, in the midst of all my complaining about Julius Randle, and that Julius Randle just needed to revert to his Phoenix form. Um, unfortunately, I woke up and that's not the case. And I think that whether it's the way the team employs Julius Randle, or whether it's Julius Randle himself, I think that the biggest problem is some cross between the two. I don't think it's Tom Thibodeau himself, because because as you pointed out earlier in in, in the podcast, I think Tom Thibodeau has done a really good job developing the young players, and um, it seems like every one of them has improved, especially on defense. Um, But... Yeah, they're developing for
1: real. Like, the people that say Tibbs cannot develop young talent, I think they're wrong. But if you say Tibbs is really good at developing young talent and even worse at enabling
4: them to do anything with their developed talent, <laughs> I would agree. I, so, Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. I,
4: exactly. I want to point something out. Um, like, Julius Randle, and there's a specific influencer who I'm not going to name by name, um, some who really likes defending Julius Randle and um has pointed out that he has been more efficient from the field this year than during his 2021 MVP season. I, I, if top five top six MVP season and then that's true I genuinely don't even know
1: who you're talking about because I haven't seen I am not gonna like that, name but it. they should get a job <laughs> I,
4: am, I am not gonna name <laughs> they, they, should, they should get so a job D- DM me, D- I'll DM DM, me okay, I, I'll, I'll,
1: I literally yeah. listen I literally like Julius Randall somehow like I, I it's the thing is when he's on that's my favorite kind of basketball player to watch is a big forward who can pass who can everything so he, I'm like a sucker for when he's hot you know but that That's just like, just watch the games and see that he's the notable worst player.
4: I I, I don't understand how you don't watch the games and not not get this insofar as, yes, his points per shot attempt is better than during his 2021 season. However, if you watch the games, you would understand that when they had just won the one player who was hitting threes on that team was Isaiah Livers. Uh, and with five minutes left in the game, and you leave Isaiah Livers multiple times wide open <laughs> from three po- from three pointer when he is your man, and don't really make an effort to cross to to, to close out, then you would get why Julius Randle is the biggest problem on this team. You would also get why Julius Randle is the is the biggest problem on this team when you look at his turnover his turnover rate, which is in the 18th percentile, not very good. 15.1%. You would also understand if you look at his on-off rate, when, when and who he's blocking, which is in the, right now in the 27th percentile, and I believe his uh the, the 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 person that he is blocking is in the 74th percentile. So you don't even need to watch the games. You can look at the stats. You just you need to look a little bit deeper into the stats. And um he's a frustrating player to watch. Um even but I would lean more towards the way that he is employed because he's clearly really talented. And I would argue that he is either the second – most. if you want to say Brunson's more talented, if you want to say he's more, he's more talented, sometimes Brunson looks like 2021 Randall in a 6'1 body. Um, I, I, someone, someone said that over the offseason, and I love that. Yeah, like yeah. the way Brunson just just makes mid-range shots at will and gets to his spot is so impressive. Um and also the way he finds people is re- and runs the offense. I saw someone say that like <laughs> that, that that like he, Brunson can't run an offense, which is absurd. Um uh, Brunson is in the 97th percentile um for to, for turnover and turnover rate and um uh, and, there is a
2: gentle yes. There is a gentleman who thinks he's a she's just a six one shooting guard. I'm not going to say his high. name. He knows he knows who he is. Uh, we'll we'll see him later. But yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and in the seven and and Brunson's assist percentile is in the seventy first percentile. as in the seventy first. Uh, then for point guards, um, so yeah, I would really like to see them get Julius Randle off this team. Um, I think that would. I don't know if that would make the, I would if that would improve them as a team but I know that would make them eminently more watchable. And all I want the Knicks to be this year, whether they win 25 games or 45 games or 53 wins, um, is watchable.
2: Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. And yes, I I, I believe they would be eminently eminently more watchable. And the the reason why I lean slightly toward Julius than the head coach is because the head coach has coached 11 seasons. He has had eight winning records, eight winning seasons out of 11, and he has spent time coaching the Minnesota Timberwolves and the New York Knicks. The man's a good coach. He's not a great coach. He's not a bad coach. He's not a good coach. He has his flaws. And again, not I'm sitting here defending the head coach, who again has committed basketball war crimes more often than you can count. But listen, the next great Knicks team, it may not have Emmanuel quickly on it. It may not have Moby Toppin on it. It may not have R.J. Barrett on it. It will not have Julius Randle on it. And you can write that down, take a picture. I don't give a you-know-what. Vivek, welcome to the stage. The floor is yours.
5: Nah, thank you for having me. How are
2: you both doing? Good, good. I'm feeling really good because Tottenham just won, so I'm feeling excellent, excellent, (laughs) excellent.
5: Go ahead. Good, 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 good. Yeah, uh, look, I'm going to keep it on the Tibbs discussion. Um, You know, I may have to push back a little bit on the support for Tibbs, but let me me just say it like this, right? So let me just say it like this. Um, You know, we look at the Venn diagram, or not Venn diagram, there's like a, a you know, the hierarchy of coaches, right, in the league. You know, you like clearly the best ones, you know, like the curves of the world, the spos of the world, um, you know, that's like tier one, right? You know, they're like people that, you know, they'll raise your floor, raise your ceiling. Um, you get the most out of people. They're adjustable. Yeah, there's certain characteristics. And Ty, obviously, Ty Lue is up there too. Um, you know, then there's like the people that are like, you know, tier two. And then tier three, somewhere Tibbs is somewhere in like the tier three of guys, um, where for me, he's more, you know, floor raiser but ceiling limiter. And I
2: a thousand percent agree.
5: Like, I think that's the problem. You know, you cannot have ceiling, you know, and he suffers the same um, problems that, you know, Van Gundy's. Uh, it's the Van Gundy coaching tree, too stubborn. Um, don't unleash, um, what do you call it? Like they don't unleash the talents of certain players. Um, you saw it with Jeff Van Gundy here. You saw it with his brother Stan. Um, there's there's limits. Um, my main problem is I think Tibbs gets absolutely no criticism for anything. And I think that in a from, sense from who? From, like, who? <laughs> from, from people that are paid to cover the team. Ah, okay. And I, my problem is if you look at any coverage – of other teams, and I'm, I'm specifically mentioning the Sixers, um, the Bulls, um, even the Lakers, um, you know, uh, the Nets, actually, you know, quite ironically enough, you will see people criticizing the coaches. But somehow, you know, when it comes to the Knicks, there's a level of immunity because people are so willing to blame Dolan first. And they'll always blame everybody else except for the coach.
2: Well, I would say it is because of the policy of the of Madison Square Garden, whereas it it behooves you not to go in on the head on on the head coach because then you have access issues, which is a problem which is a different discussion altogether, but I definitely see your point, like, I don't think, and I also think that, also, that Tibbs is much well-respected, but, yeah, I I see where you're coming from. And
5: I think, see, here's the thing, right, like, I think access, I think people are just using that as a cop-out, like, people, like, currently now. Um, I think that, you know, I'm I'm plurring, you know, KFS is a friend of the pod, I guess, Fred Katz, you know, I'm pretty sure his mailbag was full of Tibbs questions. I want him to you know, I want him to go. I want him to go as hard as Chris did when he when he interviewed uh, when he was in the press pass. So what, was it was the last week or the week before. You know, someone, You know, if Chris has the toughest questions of the year so far, then you know what are we saying about the what, what are we saying about the press corps this year?
2: Well, I'm mean, asking Chris is a kid and he has no fear. And then when they put him in when they put him in access jail, then he'll learn to listen. But no, I, I no I I totally get your point. Um, I do think that there. I do think more questions could be asked of the head coach. Absolutely. Um, I do think that the head coach, like I said, the head coach has his he has his At limits. And 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 I'll say this: you made a very good point about the floor raiser versus the ceiling raiser. And he's a he's, he clearly is a floor raiser, but he's he's a ceiling limiter. That the issue is, and this is where the front office gets got to get you know got to cast some straight is that. This front office is perfectly fine with a limited ceiling because this front office this season is striving for mid. That's what their that, their goal is: mid, competitive mid, but mid. Uh, I think. Uh, Andrew Claudio said it. And uh, Vivek, can you mute your mic? I'm getting some feedback. feedback. Um, Claudio said this on the podcast with Fred Cash yesterday. Is like, yo, this season might be the eat your vegetable season, like. It, and, and, and then we said that, I was like, you know something? He might be right. And like, and that's why I said early, like if we live and die of this team every single, every single game for 82 games and we're super reactive, it's going to drive us up the wall. Like we're like the performances are going to be uneven, but the the organization is perfectly fine with our limited ceiling because they have from day one have tried to get to the middle. And whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I've seen teams stay in the middle and not do Jack. And I've seen teams stay in the middle and then get really good. Miami stays in the middle. Houston stayed in the middle. The Nets stayed in the middle. And then they were in position to do something. So um, I think we're just frustrated because it's been 20 years of just like junk. And we just like to see, we would just like to have a fun team to root for. And we recognize that part of the reason why the team isn't that fun is because of some of the players that we employ and the coach that we have and what have you. But, um, it, yeah, I, I, see, but I think the the the, the 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 organization has chosen mid. And that's why I say hashtag embrace the mid. Let me, let, me, let me end it up with a two-parter,
5: right? So I think for one, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I think when it comes to Tibbs, I think the thing that frustrates most of us is that you know, we've seen what he failed at as a coach Um, and what were the weaknesses of his teams in, you know, Chicago, Minnesota, et cetera. And you still see those weaknesses here, um, whether it comes to, like, you know, blowing fourth, you know, second half leads, big leads, um, you know, super tight rotations, hockey subs, all this other stuff. You know, things he didn't learn, um, he's still doing it. So he's repeating the same mistakes. Um, That's the one problem. Second problem, um, you know, the front office thing's a fair point. Um, The best analogy I have is, like, if you think of, like, you know, someone managing like uh like your financial accounts, right? You're like a financial broker or whatever, four oh one K administrator, or whatever it is. You know, it's like the person that just like, you know, puts all their money in like a target fund or like uh uh like bonds or sec T bills treasury bills or whatever compared to like, you know, actually trying to take some like risk in like growth stocks or whatever, right? You know, Leon's basically like the type of guy who's basically putting the money into like these like super safe like, you know uh, funds and stuff, and just you know, it's it's like he's not taking any risks. I think the problem is he needs to learn how to basically, uh, I won't say backstab someone, but he needs to basically learn how to keep it real with a friend. Um, and you know, I think as an agent, um, you're basically not in the co- not a coddler, um, but you're uh, you're a positive reinforcement type of guy. Um, I think as a front office person you got to be a little more cold-blooded and uh i think that's the area i think you know i think leon got to stop being that you know supportive family member be more like a you know he got to focus more in the business um, so that i mean that's really what
2: it that's really what it boils down to no i think you're absolutely right um there has been, I, and I've said before, um, and then we could probably wrap up because it's at the top of the hour, and Chris, I'll let you get any thoughts that you have to this. Um, the I'm pretty sure that when Leon offered Tom the job, Tom made assurances, Tom was given assurances that they wouldn't tank, that they would try to win, that they will try to be competitive. Um, and, sometime, and I think because he's known him for so long, he doesn't want to go back on those, but sometimes you have to you have to like the, what's staring you. What you need to do is staring you in the face, and you have to embrace it. And to your point, you have to be ruthless. You have to say, like, all right, Tom, this is what we're this is what we're going to do. I know you may not like it. If you don't like it, you know you can resign. But this is what makes the most sense. Um, yeah, it's it's. Listen, if you want to say between the fr- between the, the player, the collection of players, the front office, the head coach. There really isn't a wrong answer. I can't fault. I cannot fault anyone for having for giving those ads, for for picking anyone. Um, but I just, you know, it, it's it's listen. It's gonna buckle up. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a bumpy ride, especially like honestly, these next seven, eight, these next eight games. OKC, at Utah, at Denver, at Golden State, at Phoenix, at OKC, Portland, Memphis, and then Detroit again, because, we, you know, we play Detroit every week. If, if a pivot is coming, that might force a pivot, because we know that if it gets, if, if it get it might get spooky if things, if things go left. Um, I'll throw it to Chris, uh, any final, anything, anything you want to respond to what was exactly Kevin said, and then we can go to final thoughts.
1: I do have a final thought, but I'm trying to figure out how to be cryptic about it. Um, because I don't want to say I can't just say it, but I... Hmm. All right, let me put it like this. With your talk about like what might
2: force Thibodeau out, right? Um, Not necessarily force Thibodeau out, but force a, a change yeah. in organizational philosophy. Yeah, yeah. What... How how many more
1: hires of a head coach would Leon Rose get from James Dolan if he after our next loss fired Tom Thibodeau? Oh, he gets to hire one more coach. And it's guaranteed
2: after that that his time, his clock is ticking, right? This is just how it works in pro sports. Weirdly. Absolutely. You get to hire one, you don't get to hire. Usually you get to hire you get to fire one, you usually don't get to fire two. So, do we think maybe
1: Leon's waiting for someone else to make that call?
2: Mm.
1: Let that sink in. Go, open your door. Let the sink inside. Turn it on, get it running. Mmm. Right? Yeah, so but if he pays up, if he pays up for an associate, which he has been, to have behind his head coach, which he has been, that the head coach didn't choose himself, that wouldn't go with the head coach. We know if Thibodeau's contracts were terminated that guys like Erman would probably leave along with him, right? Yes. Would Johnny Bryant? No. Ah, so so let, let's let think here. If, if Leon Rose doesn't fire his head coach and just happens to have his next guy in waiting, he would get technically that hire of Bryant not counted as a hire. He would have a coaching hire left.
2: Well, it would be if, okay, so what, I think the way that will work is that he will, Johnny Bryant will be the interim head coach. Yup. And then, by, if, name, by title, but by maybe, title, Rose would Rose keep him around at the cost
1: it's taken to keep him around if he wasn't, you know, willing to give this guy the head coach. T- I just think that they will dress Brian up as the interim when in reality he was the next guy after Tibbs the whole time. Um, and then if he doesn't work, they'll go and make a different hire as opposed to them having Brian as an interim and being like if he sticks around, that's their last guy.
2: That's what I think. Probably. Yes. I, I I would agree with that. I think that if the next person who is the title, like the next person who has the title of head coach of the New York Knicks will be, if that person doesn't succeed, then, um, Dolan will pull a New York Ranger from years, for years ago and say, all right, all of you out. Um, all of you get out. Um, so, and I also think that Leon Rose knows the moment he fires Thibodeau, the clock is ticking on them because it's like, all right, well, you know, who? Well, you change, the, we change the players, we change the head coach, and we're still here. Um, but, but you know what it is? Also, I, I I actually don't fault. And then I'll wrap up on this. I don't fault the the, the I don't fault the front office too much for being for chasing, quote-unquote, mid or mediocre. Let's use mediocre. Because most of these teams are mediocre, but our mediocre doesn't look as good. Like, I get back and forth with Raptors fans all the time because they love to look down on us. And, you know, Raptors fans, they love to say how, oh, we're 69 and we have a great coach and we have Pascal, we got all these pieces, and da 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 it's like, yo, you're not, and they, and they call us average. I'm like, yo, you're not winning anything this year either. You're not winning anything. Yeah, but we have a bright future. Like, no, no. You're mid. We're mid. Your mid just looks better than us. Like, you can, you can, you can, you can, um, you can tell yourself in the mirror that your mid looks better. Because you have this young talent, and you have Scottie Barnes, who's destined to be a seven-time all-star in all NBA, yada, yada, yada. And you have Fred Van Vliet that you found undrafted on the second round, whatever. But your mid just looks better. And, and the funny thing is, we are the Toronto Raptors? Seven and six. I have a half game ahead of the Knicks. So, if the front office made our mid, our mediocrity, our averages, averageness look better... It would be easier for it, will be easier pill to swallow for the fan base. But the fact that it looks so uneven, it sometimes looks so disjointed, sometimes that it looks so much on the basis of like we have this guy that wants that, thinks he's gonna in a showdown with arguably the best uh, small forward of all time, um, with a guy who we draft the eighth that only reason he's getting 20 minutes a game is because the center that we signed to a $60 million contract who cannot do anything outside of the paint offensively is out. It just looks worse, but I'm imploring all of you this is going to be a long season as they all are. 82 games is a long time. Embrace where we are because it for this season it's probably not going to change unless Unless someone is replaced, and I don't know if that replacement is happening unless things go into the absolute gutter these next seven games. All right, it's 1209. Player of the week. Honestly, I'm not giving anyone player of the week, right? Like, not, like, no one deserves to get player of the week after the, after the deuce they dropped in Brooklyn two nights ago. Um, the CTS week, the CTS award, the cut the, you, the cut the, you know what award. I'm saying, you know what? Cause I'm sitting next to a six year old. Actually, can a six year old hear me? Zach, can you hear me? Yes, he can. All right. The CTS award which is the cut the, you know what award goes to the hives, the player hives in this app. Um, it is nasty work to, um, Take a big fat dump on a player's bad performance and overlook the player's performance that you had. Overlook your favorite player's performance. I saw people literally on this app come after Emmanuel quickly and defend Cam Reddish after the broken game, and Cam Reddish had as many points as I did. And I'm not. I'm on not Cam Reddish, but we cannot overlook. We cannot overlook the crap that the deuce that your player dropped to point finger at someone else. Like that has to stop let's we are all fans of the same team we should root for the front of the jersey not the back because at the end of the day like jerry seinfeld said we're all rooting for laundry so you can like favorite players you can like certain players more than others lord knows i do but just keep the same energy all around that's all i gotta say anything else before we get out of here
1: not for me, man. I'm I'm good. We covered it all today. Um, okay, which is why the show went long. But I think we got it all.
2: Perfect. All right. Thanks everyone for pulling up. Appreciate it. Um, we will probably be on Saturdays through the end of the football season, because and then we may consider Sundays. Um, but thanks again for everyone for pulling up. My name is Sean Hardy. That's Chris Percy-Einan. Um You guys have an amazing day. Go Knicks. Let's ride. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you, Sean.